0: Lesson 5 for April 25 to May 1, Christ as the Lord of the Sabbath, Sabbath Afternoon, April 25. Before we start, let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you that you did give us the Sabbath, a day when we can spend special time with you, a day that you made for us, and that you celebrated with us at creation. And as we study about Christ as the Lord of the Sabbath this week, we pray that your Holy Spirit will guide us. May your word open to us visions of what you have for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Our memory text this week is Mark chapter 2, verses 27 and 28. The Sabbath was made for man and not man for the Sabbath. Therefore, the Son of Man is also Lord of the Sabbath. Let's read that again, Mark 2, verses 27 and 28. The Sabbath was made for man and not man for the Sabbath. Therefore, the Son of Man is also Lord of the Sabbath. Although Luke wrote his gospel primarily for the Gentiles, it is significant how frequently he refers to the Sabbath. Of the 54 times the Gospels and Acts refer to Sabbath, 17 are in Luke, and 9 in Acts, there are 9 in Matthew, and 10 in Mark, and 9 in John. As a Gentile convert, Luke certainly believed in the seventh-day Sabbath for Jews, as well as Gentiles. The first coming of Christ made no difference concerning the keeping of the Sabbath. Indeed, as we read in Prophets and Kings, page 183, Christ, during his earthly ministry, emphasised the binding claims of the Sabbath in all his teachings. He showed reverence for the institution he himself had given. In his day, the Sabbath had become so perverted that its observance reflected the character of selfish and arbitrary men rather than the character of God. Christ set aside the false teaching by which those who claimed to know God had misrepresented him. This week's lesson turns to Jesus as the Lord of the Sabbath, how he observed it, and how he set an example for us to follow. The practice of observing the first day of the week of Sabbath has no sanction either in Christ or in the New Testament. Sunday, April 26, as his custom was. As his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day, Luke 4, verse 16. This is a good Seventh-day Adventist text. Most of us use it in evangelistic meetings or in Bible studies in order to emphasize the point that it was the practice of Jesus to keep the Sabbath. Synagogues play a crucial role in Jewish religious life. During the exile, when the temple no longer existed, synagogues were built for worship and for the schooling of young children. A synagogue could be built wherever there were at least ten Jewish families. Growing up in Nazareth, Jesus followed the custom of going to the synagogue each Sabbath, and now, on his first journey to his hometown, the Sabbath finds him in the synagogue. Question. Read Mark one twenty-one, and six two and Luke four sixteen to 20 6, 6-11, 13, 16 and 14, to 5 what do these texts teach us about Jesus and the Sabbath? As you read them, ask yourself where, if anywhere, you can find indications that Jesus was either abolishing our obligation to keep the Sabbath, or pointing to another day to replace it. Let's begin with Mark, chapter 1, verse 21. Then they went into Capernaum, and immediately on the Sabbath he entered the synagogue and taught. And Mark, chapter 6, verse 2. And when the Sabbath had come, he began to teach in the synagogue. And many hearing him were astonished, saying, Where did this man get these things? And what wisdom is this which is given to him, that such mighty works are performed by his hands? And Luke 4, verses 16 to 30. So he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, and as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up to read. Then he closed the book and gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And the eyes of all who were in the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say to them, "'Today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing.' So all bore witness to him and marvelled at the gracious words which proceeded out of his mouth. And they said, "'Is this not Joseph's son?' He said to them, "'You will surely say this proverb to me, "'Physician, heal yourself.' Whatever we have heard done in Capernaum, do also here in your country. Then he said, Assuredly, I say to you, no prophet is accepted in his own country. But I tell you truly, many widows were in Israel in the days of Elijah, when the heaven was shut up three years and six months, and there was a great famine throughout all the land. But to none of them was Elijah sent except to Zarephath, in the region of Sidon, to a woman who was a widow. And many lepers were in Israel in the time of Elisha the prophet, and none of them was cleansed except Naaman the Syrian. So all those in the synagogue, when they heard these things, were filled with wrath, and rose up and thrust him out of the city, and they led him to the brow of the hill on which their city was built, that they might throw him down over the cliff. Then passing through the midst of them, he went his way. Then Luke chapter 6, verses 6 to 11, Now it happened on another Sabbath also that he entered the synagogue and taught, and a man was there whose right hand was withered. So the scribes and Pharisees watched him closely, whether he would heal on the Sabbath, that they might find an accusation against him. But he knew their thoughts, and said to the man who had the withered hand, Arise and stand here. And he arose and stood. Then Jesus said to them, I will ask you one thing. Is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do evil, to save life or to destroy? And when he had looked around at them all, he said to the man, Stretch out your hand. And he did so. And his hand was restored as whole as the other. But they were filled with rage and discussed with one another what they might do to Jesus. And Luke chapter 13, verses 10-16. to Now he was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath, and behold, there was a woman who had a spirit of infirmity eighteen years, and was bent over, and could in no way raise herself up. But when Jesus saw her, he called her to him, and said to her, Woman, you are loosed from your infirmity. And he laid his hands on her, and immediately she was made straight, and glorified God." But the ruler of the synagogue answered with indignation, because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath, and he said to the crowd, There are six days on which men ought to work, therefore come and be healed on them, and not on the Sabbath day. The Lord then answered him, and said, Hypocrite, does not each one of you on the Sabbath loose his ox or donkey from the stall, and lead it away to water it? So ought not this woman, being a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan has bound, think of it, for eighteen years, be loosed from this bond on the Sabbath? And then Luke chapter 14, verses 1 to 5. Now it happened, as he went into the house of one of the rulers of the Pharisees to eat bread on the Sabbath, that they watched him closely. And behold, there was a certain man before him who had dropsy. And Jesus answering spoke to the lawyers and Pharisees, saying, Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? But they kept silent, and he took him and healed him and let him go. Then he answered them, saying, Which of you having a donkey or an ox that has fallen into a pit will not immediately put it out on the Sabbath day?' As his custom was in chapter 4 verse 16 only Luke uses this phrase in Luke 4:16 as Jesus attended the synagogue in Nazareth and in Luke 22:39 as the cross drew near Jesus went as was his custom to the Mount of Olives Both times the custom had to do with worship and prayer Why should we make it our custom to go to church on Sabbath as Jesus went to the synagogue on Sabbath. First, God is everywhere. He may be worshipped anywhere, but there's something special about getting together in a common place on the day designated at creation and commanded in His moral law. Second, it provides a public opportunity to affirm that God is our Creator and Redeemer. Finally, it gives an opportunity for fellowship and sharing one another's joys and concerns. So, to finish today, those who accuse us of legalism or of being in bondage because we keep the Sabbath have obviously missed out on the great blessing that the Sabbath can bring. In what ways have you experienced just how liberating Sabbath-keeping can be? Sunday, April 27, Sabbath, Its Message and Meaning. Luke four seventeen. when he had opened the book. The Sabbath was not only for going to church in order to worship, but also to hear God's word. A life without his word is not far from the trap of sin. As it says in Psalm 119, verse 11, Your word I have hidden in my heart, that I might not sin against you. Question. Read Luke chapter 4, verses 17 to 19. Today, looking back upon what we know about Jesus, about who he was, and what he has accomplished for us, how do we understand the meaning of these words? How have you experienced the reality of his messianic claims in your own walk? with the Lord. Luke 4, beginning at verse 17, And he was handed the book of the prophet Isaiah, and when he had opened the book he found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. After reading from Isaiah chapter 6, verses 1 and 2, Jesus said, Today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. That's Luke 4.21. The word today deserves note. The Jews expected the kingdom of God to come at some time in the future, in a dramatic, militaristic way, uprooting an alien regime from Judea and ushering in the Davidic throne. But Jesus was saying that the kingdom had already come in his person and that he would break the power of sin, crush the devil, and free the oppressed captives of his domain. Think, too, about how closely tied the Sabbath is with his messianic claims. The Sabbath is a day of rest... Rest in Christ, as it says in Hebrews chapter 4, verses 1 to 4. Therefore, since a promise remains of entering his rest, let us fear lest any of you seem to have come short of it, for indeed the gospel was preached to us as well as to them. But the word which they heard did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in those who heard it, for we who have believed do enter that rest, as he has said, So I swore in my wrath, They shall not enter my rest, although the works were finished from the foundation of the world. For he has spoken in a certain place of the seventh day in this way, and God rested on the seventh day from all his works. The Sabbath is a symbol of freedom, of liberation, the freedom and liberation we have in Christ, as we read in Romans chapter 6, verses 6 and 7, knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves of sin, for he who has died has been freed from sin. The Sabbath reveals not only God's creation, but the promise of recreation in Christ as well. Second Corinthians chapter 5 verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. And First Corinthians chapter 15, beginning at verse 51. Behold, I tell you a mystery: We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. It's no coincidence either that Jesus chose the Sabbath to do many of his healings, to free those who had been oppressed and imprisoned by sickness. The Sabbath day is a weekly reminder etched in something more immutable than stone, time, of what we have been given in Jesus. And so, to finish today, how has Sabbath-keeping helped you to understand better salvation by faith alone, in that we can rest in what Christ has done for us, as opposed to seeking to earn our way to heaven? Tuesday, April 28, Sabbath Healings at Capernaum. Rejection at Nazareth sent Jesus back to Capernaum, where he had already ministered before. Matthew 4, verse 13, And leaving Nazareth, he came and dwelt in Capernaum, which is by the sea, in the regions of Zebulun and Naphtali. This important city became the base for Jesus' Galilean ministry. In this city was a synagogue, possibly built by a Roman officer. Verse 5 of chapter 7, For he loves our nation and has built us a synagogue. And Jesus, as per his custom, went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day. On this single Sabbath, Jesus' ministry covered a wide range of activities. Teaching, healing, preaching. Nothing is said as to what Jesus preached, but the reaction of the people was one of astonishment. For his word was with authority, it said in chapter 4, verse 32. His teaching stood in contrast to that of the rabbis. No simple palliatives. Here was preaching with authority, rooted in the scriptures, delivered with the power of the Holy Spirit, calling sin by its right name, and urging repentance. Question. Read Luke, chapter 4, verses 31 to 37. What powerful truths are revealed in these verses about, one, the great controversy, two, the reality of demons, three, the purpose of the Sabbath, and four, the power of God over evil. What else can you find here? Well, we're going to read verses 31 to 37 of Luke chapter 4. Then he went down to Capernaum, a city of Galilee, and was teaching them on the Sabbaths. And they were astonished at his teaching, for his word was with authority. Now in the synagogue there was a man who had a spirit of an unclean demon, and he cried out with a loud voice, saying, Let us alone. What have we to do with you, Jesus of Nazareth? Did you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be quiet, and come out of him. And when the demon had thrown him in their midst, it came out of him and did not hurt him. Then they were all amazed, and spoke among themselves, saying, What a word this is! For with authority and power he commands the unclean spirits, and they come out. And the report about him went out into every place in the surrounding region. In Luke chapter 4, verses 31 to to 41, we have the first of many healings on the Sabbath. That Luke records, and most of these we've already looked at. In the Nazareth sermon, Jesus announced that it was his mission to relieve, to heal, and to restore those who are broken-hearted and oppressed. Here in Capernaum, on a Sabbath day, when the synagogue was full of worshippers, a demon-possessed man confronted Jesus with the confession, "'Let us alone, you, Jesus of Nazareth, I know who you are,' The Holy One of God. The demon, being one of the satanic host and as such supernatural being, was quick to recognize the incarnate Saviour. In this account, the veil between the seen and unseen world has been pulled aside. So, to finish today, think of how openly the great controversy was manifested here. Often it's not that obvious. How, though, are you seeing it played out in your own life? What is your only hope of victory in this battle? Let's read 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 2. By which also you are saved, if you hold fast that word which I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. Wednesday, April 29, The Lord of the Sabbath Luke chapter 6, verses 1 to 11 provides two accounts of Jesus dealing with the Pharisees over the Sabbath. Question. Read the first story in Luke chapter 6, verses 1 to 5. How did Jesus face the accusation that he and his disciples did not care for the law and the Sabbath? beginning in verse 1. Now it happened on the second Sabbath after the first that he went through the grain fields, and his disciples plucked the heads of grain and ate them, rubbing them in their hands. And some of the Pharisees said to them, Why are you doing what is not lawful to do on the Sabbath? But Jesus answering them said, Have you not even read this, what David did when he was hungry, he and those who are with him, how he went into the house of God, took and ate the showbread, and even gave some to those with him, which is not lawful for any but the priests to eat. And he said to them, The Son of Man is also Lord of the Sabbath. While walking through a field, the disciples plucked the heads of grain, rubbed them in their hands, and ate them. But the Pharisees twisted the facts to charge the disciples with breaking the Sabbath commandment. Jesus sets the story straight and refers the Pharisees to David who, when he was hungry, entered the house of God and he and his men ate the showbread, which only the priests were allowed to eat. By doing this, Jesus was pointing out how the Pharisees, through a long history of legalism, have heaped rule upon rule, tradition upon tradition, and turned the Sabbath from the joy it was supposed to be into a burden instead question. Read the second story in verses 6 to 11 of chapter 6 in Luke. What lessons about the Sabbath are seen here as well? Now it happened on another Sabbath also that he entered the synagogue and taught, and a man was there whose right hand was withered. So the scribes and Pharisees watched him closely, whether he would heal on the Sabbath, that they might find an accusation against him. But he knew their thoughts, and said to the man who had the withered hand, Arise and stand here. And he arose and stood. Then Jesus said to them, I will ask you one thing. Is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do evil, to save life or to destroy? And when he had looked around at them all, he said to the man, Stretch out your hand. And he did so. And his hand was restored as whole as the other. But they were filled with rage, and discussed with one another what they might do to Jesus. Although all the Synoptic Gospels narrate this story, only Luke tells us that the hand that was withered was the man's right hand. Dr. Luke's additional detail helps us to understand the serious impact this physical deficiency must have had on the man's ability to carry on a normal life. The occasion stirred two responses. First, The Pharisees wanted to charge Jesus with Sabbath-breaking in the event he chose to heal the man. Second, Jesus read their hearts and proceeded to show that he is the Lord of the Sabbath, the one who created the Sabbath, and that he will not fail in his mission to deliver the broken man from the bondage of the sin-sick world. Thus he placed Sabbath-keeping in its divine perspective. It is lawful on the Sabbath day to do good and to save life. So to finish today, think how blinded these leaders were by their own rules and regulations which they thought were gods. How can we make sure that we don't fall into the same trap of allowing traditions and human teachings to blind us to deeper divine truths? Thursday, April 30, the Sabbath, the sick versus the ox, and the donkey. Of the three synoptic Gospels, only Luke records these two Sabbath healings of Jesus in Luke chapter 13 and 14. The first caused the ruler of the synagogue to be indignant with Jesus. The second put the Pharisees to silence. In either case, the enemies of Jesus were using their misinterpretation of the law to accuse Jesus of breaking the Sabbath. Question. Read Luke chapter 13, verses 10 to 16, and 14, verses 1 to 6. What important truths are revealed here about how easy it is to pervert crucial biblical truths? Luke 13, beginning at verse 10. Now he was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath, and behold, there was a woman who had a spirit of infirmity eighteen years, and was bent over and could in no way raise herself up. But when Jesus saw her, he called her to him and said to her, Woman, you are loosed from your infirmity. And he laid his hands on her, and immediately she was made straight and glorified God. But the ruler of the synagogue answered with indignation, because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath. And he said to the crowd, There are six days on which men ought to work. Therefore come and be healed on them, and not on the Sabbath day. The Lord then answered him and said, Hypocrite! Does not each one of you on the Sabbath loose his ox or donkey from the stall and lead it away to water it? So ought not this woman, being a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan has bound, think of it, for eighteen years, be loosed from this blood on the Sabbath. And chapter 14, verses one to 6. Now it had happened, as he went into the house of one of the rulers of the Pharisees to eat bread on the Sabbath, that they watched him closely, and behold, there was a certain man before him who had dropsy. And Jesus answering, spoke to the lawyers and Pharisees, saying, Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? But they kept silent, and he took him, and healed him, and let him go, Then he answered them, saying, "'Which of you, having a donkey or an ox "'that has fallen into a pit, "'will not immediately pull him out on the Sabbath day?' "'And they could not answer him regarding these things. "'Consider the crippled woman. "'She belonged to a gender "'that was looked down upon by the Pharisees. "'She was crippled for eighteen years, "'long enough to test anyone's patience, "'and to multiply in her a sense of life's meaninglessness. "'And finally,' She was totally unable to free herself. To her comes divine grace personified. Jesus sees her, calls her to come near him, speaks to her in order that she may be healed, lays his hands on her, and immediately she was made straight. Eighteen-year-old agony suddenly gives way to a moment of undiluted joy, and she glorified God, as it says in verse 13. Each verb that Luke used is inspiration's way of recognizing the worth and dignity of the woman, and indeed, the worth and dignity of every despised individual, regardless of that person's situation. In the second miracle, in Luke chapter 14, Jesus, on his way to a Pharisee's home for a meal on the Sabbath, heals a man who suffered from dropsy. Anticipating the objections from the leaders who were watching him closely, Jesus raised two questions. First, on the purpose of the law. Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath, in verse 3? Second, on the worth of a human being. Which of you, having a donkey or an ox that has fallen into a pit, will not immediately pull him out on the Sabbath day? That's verse 5. His point should have been obvious. In fact, it was, because according to Luke, they had no answer to what he had said. Jesus revealed their hypocrisy, the worst kind, because it came under a veil of supposed holiness and righteous indignation over what they perceived to be an egregious violation of God's holy law. How careful we need to be. May 1. From the book Desire of Ages, page 207, we read, God could not for a moment stay his hand, or man would faint and die. And man also has a work to perform on this, the Sabbath day. The necessities of life must be attended to, the sick must be cared for, the wants of the needy must be supplied. He will not be held guiltless, who neglects to relieve suffering on the Sabbath, God's holy rest day was made for man, and acts of mercy are in perfect harmony with its intent. God does not desire his creatures to suffer an hour's pain that may be relieved upon the Sabbath or any other day. And from the same book, page 283, no other institution which was committed to the Jews tended so fully to distinguish them from surrounding nations, as did the Sabbath. God designed that its observance should designate them as his worshippers. It was to be a token of their separation from idolatry and their connection with the true God. But, in order to keep the Sabbath holy, men must themselves be holy. Through faith, they must become partakers of the righteousness of Christ. And that brings us to our three discussion questions for this week. 1. Isn't it amazing just how clear the Bible is about Jesus and the Sabbath. And yet millions of churchgoers around the world still insist that the seventh-day Sabbath is no longer binding, or that it doesn't matter, or that keeping it is tantamount to legalism. What should this tell us about why unwavering fealty and obedience to the word of God are so important? On something as foundational as God's holy law, the masses are so deceived. What crucial warning does Jesus give us in Mark 13, verse 22? For false Christs and false prophets will rise and show signs and wonders to deceive, if possible, even the elect. Question 2. Look at how Satan has worked so hard to destroy the Sabbath. Either he used the leaders in Israel to turn it into a heavy burden, all but denuding it of so much of what it was supposed to mean and be, or... He used, and still uses, leaders in the church to dismiss it as antiquated, legalistic, or a mere Jewish tradition. What is it about the Sabbath and what it entails that would make it such a target of Satan's enmity? And question three. Jesus is the Lord of the Sabbath, as it says in Luke chapter 6 verse 5. What implications does this statement have for Christians and their attitude toward the Sabbath? Inside Story. Our mission story this week is titled Guided and Transformed. My father, a Japanese immigrant to Brazil, was a Buddhist. My mother, who was of Japanese descent, was raised a Roman Catholic. Our home was an interesting mixture of Catholicism with Buddhism. When I was fourteen, my father died of tuberculosis. He longed to be healed, and perhaps that was why he didn't reject having a Christian religion in the house. He prayed every day. My father had a small watchmaking business, and after his death I had to take over. It was difficult to accept his death and suddenly become the breadwinner. During that time I started reading the Bible and read a passage that stayed with me. John 14, verse 6, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Life was difficult. At the age of 26, I went to Japan to get a better perspective, but things only got worse. I was having terrible back pain and spent much money trying to find relief, but nothing helped. To make matters worse, my three-year marriage fell apart. My life lost direction until a Seventh-day Adventist, Silvio, began working at the factory where I worked. What caught my attention about this man was his composure and good humour in all circumstances, although every day he suffered from severe pain due to an accident years ago. I knew about pain, so I really admired Silvio. At that time, I was a member of a Japanese spiritualist sect called Mahikari. We believed in two gods, the God of the universe and the God of the earth. Every time I bowed down to these gods, I remembered John fourteen six and wondered where Jesus Christ was. Six months after Silvio started working at the factory, he invited me to his church. We became good friends, and during our lunch hour, Silvio told me about Jesus and how he could change my life. But it was because of Silvio's personal testimony that I wanted to know about the Seventh-day Adventist church. I began attending church with Silvio in the city of Hamamatsu and took Bible studies with the pastor. Before long, I was baptized. It has been ten years since then, and I'm a literature evangelist with the Japan Union. I also lead out in a newly formed Adventist church in the city of Yaisu. I am married to a Japanese Seventh-day Adventist nurse, and we have a two-year-old child. I praise the Lord for how He has guided and transformed my life. Your reader for this week's lesson has been Dr. Percy Harold. This lesson is brought to you by the Sabbath School Department, Christian Services for the Blind and Hearing Impaired, and through the services of Adventist Media Network. Remember, God is always faithful.